Welcome to the Baseline Community Church Podcast. All right, well, uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, You'll be uh, watching this sometime after 9 o'clock on December 26th. We're filming it a few days earlier because we're just having an online service on the 26th to kind of give our staff and volunteers just a, a little bit of a break after Christmas and and just to be able to enjoy that Sunday um, at home. And I guess also uh, Nancy and my 28th wedding anniversary is uh, December 26th, so uh, uh, happy anniversary, honey. I love you. Uh, Thanks for uh, sticking with me for 28 years and uh, being married to someone in ministry. It is a wild ride, and uh, but thank you. Love you. And... um, and that will kind of go into kind of what we talk about a little bit today, this kind of wild ride idea. Um, it's always weird to know what to talk about on the, the Sunday after Christmas, uh, before New Year's. It's that weird week there. It's Advent's kind of done, and you're not to the New Year yet. So, but uh, today I want to continue kind of looking at the Advent story. And today I'm going to look at it from the perspective and the viewpoint of Joseph. And, and we know his story pretty well, but I think it, it will, um, I think it will set, has something to speak to us in terms of where you might be as an individual or where we are as a church and some things like that. So we, we know Joseph's story pretty well. He, uh, he was living in the town of Nazareth. He was basically engaged to marry, to uh, be married to her uh, sometime soon. And then one day she comes to him and says that she's pregnant. And that the father of her child is God. And, and as you might imagine, uh, Joseph was a little uh, taken back by that, wondered what that was all about, and um, was going to actually kind of quietly uh, break off the engagement. But, uh, but the Lord spoke to him uh, through an angel in a dream and told him, yes, what Mary's telling you is true. And so he uh, takes her as his wife. And then um, soon after that, Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor, uh, proclaims that there's a, a census that needs to be taken. And so this young couple has to travel 90 miles down to Bethlehem. And when they get to Bethlehem, again, we know this well, there's no room at the inn. Uh, their baby is born in a stable and placed in a manger. You can imagine how worn out they might be. Uh, some shepherds come in and tell them some amazing things that angels have told them. And, and that is kind of how, how that first night goes for this young couple. And you can imagine that this is just not how they had planned things would be. And then um, much of what we're, we know of Joseph's story in the birth of Jesus is found in, in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapters 1 and 2. And in Matthew chapter 2, we hear about these magi who come from the east. And the magi come into Bethlehem and, and a lot of pomp and circumstance sort of stuff, and they find uh, King Herod, and they ask King Herod, hey, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? Or we, we saw a star, and we started following it. And, and King Herod's probably kind of is wondering, well, I'm not sure where this king is, because I'm kind of the king right now. So he goes to his advisors and says, well, well, where is this King of the Jews supposed to be born? And the advisors study the, the Old Testament, and they come back, and they say, you know what, it's in Bethlehem. So he goes back to the Magi and says, well, this king of the Jews is supposed to be born in Bethlehem. Go and and find this king of the Jews. Come back and tell me where he is so that I can worship him. Also, where in reality, that isn't what he wanted to do. Um, Bethlehem's only about six miles away from Jerusalem, but the Magi 
make their way to see this one who's the king of the Jews. And the star leads them, and they uh, meet up with this young family. Now, it's quite possible that I'm going to kind of ruin some of your cherished Christmas traditions at this point, because many of us have these... um, manger scenes that we put up around the house and you know the manger scene where there's the the babies in the manger and you've got Mary and Joseph and then you have some shepherds and you and then they have magi on the camels and other animals around and it uh, unfortunately when you when you read the scripture as it's in the bible that just isn't how it happened because it says there in the, at the magi uh, met up with the young family in a house is the word that's used and, and the word that's used to describe Jesus is not of an infant, but of a young child. So it has possibly been three, six, nine months or so since Jesus was born. The family has stayed in Bethlehem at this time, and the Magi meet them at this time. And they do bring these uh, gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh that they give to this child, to this one who is the the king of the Jews. Um, after they give their gifts, to, uh, the Lord warns them not to go back to Herod to tell Herod where the baby is, but they go another route. And when Herod finds out that he's been double-crossed by the Magi, he's furious. And he, um, he is a vindictive, a ruthless leader. We've, we've heard about him, how he would kill even family members that he thought might try to take over the, the crown from him. And, and and Herod will do anything to get rid of this one who has been called the king of the Jews. So in uh, chapter 2 of Matthew, verse 13, it says this. When they had gone, when the Magi had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Herod is going to try and kill Jesus. And though he doesn't know exactly who he is or where he is, and what he does then is he sends his forces into Bethlehem and the surrounding countryside, and they are to kill every young boy under the age of two. And you can imagine the the, the heartache and pain that this will bring upon the the, um, communities around Bethlehem. But the Lord had warned Joseph of this in the dream. And so verse 14, it says, so Joseph got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so what was fulfilled, what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt, I will call my son. Now you can imagine why this isn't a big part of the Christmas story. It's it's a very chaotic and and difficult, and there's a pain involved and a lot of hurt in, in this. And, and you can imagine all that has gone on in, in Joseph's life so far, right? Uh, his uh, fiance telling him that she's pregnant, and then him having the dream, and then the 90-mile uh, uh, traveling down to Bethlehem, and no room in the inn, and the baby's coming, and delivering your first son there in a stable and a manger and these shepherds coming at one point and then the magi at another time and another uh, dream and you're having to leave and all this stuff and you have to be refugees in a foreign land and and I have to imagine that Joseph did not imagine 
that this is how his life or his marriage or his family might start out. That this is not what he was thinking. He has to feel there's great feelings of intensity and he has to feel scared and it's very dangerous, it's chaotic, it's, it's out of control and it's not going according to plan. But notice, notice how Joseph responds. The Lord in a dream says, get up and take the, the child and his mother and Joseph responds right away. There's, there's a quick obedience there. There's, there's no hesitation, no questioning. He, he grabs the child who's, you know, again, under a year, we're guessing, and, and the mother, and they are now to take off to Egypt. And, and it's about a, depending on where they go in Egypt, Egypt's a big country, it's, it could be a 100 to 200 mile journey to try and get down there. And, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think, what is going, what is this going, what's it feel like? So, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a few kids in our church that we know. Um, you know, uh, Calvin Hamilton is just about to turn one, and, and he's just learning how to, how to walk. And, and, and Evelyn Bernal's about a year and a half, I think, and she's walking and talking and kind of a little shy at times and all that. And then you've got the Campbell Smith kids. You've got JoJo, who's a little over two, I think, and, then, and AJ, who's four and a half. But, but just think about one of those kids that you know and imagine that Joseph is, is taking Mary and a young child, and they are running from the authorities, from, the, from Herod, and, and trying to get to Egypt. And what's not easy to travel with a young child? It's slow, and it's, it's difficult, and you're carrying them. And, and I just am trying to imagine what it is like for Joseph as he is taking his young family down into Egypt. But he has responded with obedience to what God has told him to do. You see, Joseph has experienced the leading of God in his life in the past through these dreams. God has spoken to him through dreams, and he has responded and been obedient. And and it's not always that way. In fact, if you even look at just the Christmas story, God speaks in so many different ways, right? Um, To Mary, it's actually an angel that comes and speaks to her, to, to the shepherds, it's kind of the heavenly host that is singing, to the wise men, it was a star. But, but the question is, is, how will you respond to what God says to you? And, and how does God speak to you? I mean, for me, uh, most of the time it's through reading God's word, for me, is how I can really trust and experience God speaking to me. For others, it's through prayer, and others... They, God gives them images or pictures of, of things. So, but every, God wants to speak to us. And, and God spoke to Joseph, and he responded in obedience. So the young family goes down to uh, Egypt and, again, stays there for maybe about a year. The timing is difficult to figure out exactly. And, and then Herod dies. And so in Matthew 2, 19, it says this, After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. 
Again, the Lord speaks to Joseph in a dream, and, and again, we see his obedience. He get up and, and take the child back into your, your country, into, into Israel. So he got up, the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judah in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. So again, you're a refugee in Egypt. You hear that Herod is dead. You have a dream that says, get up and go back. And you start to go back to where you think you should go. It makes sense to go back to Jerusalem. It makes sense to go back to Bethlehem where you came from. You'd been there for a while. You maybe had some relationships there. And so it makes a lot of sense to go back there. But then as you think about it, you're like, I'm not sure. I'm walking into something. You know, uh, The wisdom that, that Joseph has, he's like, I'm not sure I should go there. And then the Lord says, no, you shouldn't. And so now you go back up to Nazareth. And so it has been a crazy few years for Joseph. And now he's back in his hometown. Right? An announcement by Caesar that you should go to Bethlehem for the census. And, and then the baby is born. And then Herod tries to kill the baby. So you flee to Egypt. And then you come back and you think you'll go to Bethlehem again, but now you come back up to Nazareth. It's just one thing after another. And I have to imagine that Joseph is a bit worn out, a bit tired, a bit confused, because this wasn't his plan in life. This wasn't what he thought it would look like. And I can stand there right with him, not understanding what God's doing sometimes. But the interesting thing, and, and as I've studied this in the last couple of weeks, Matthew, the, the one who wrote all this down that we've been looking at, Matthew has a really different perspective on what is happening. You see, he's writing several decades removed from the actual birth of Jesus, and, and he's looking back at it, and and he can see the hand of God at work in all of this. In the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the stress, and the not sure what's happening, Matthew, as he writes, sees God's hand at work and the plan of God unfolding. You know, a couple things struck me at this. as In... Um, in chapter 2 of Matthew, when the Magi first show up in Jerusalem, it says that they went to King Herod. And then another place it says, and King Herod did this. And, and so Matthew uses the, the phrase King Herod to describe Herod. But once the Magi go and worship the baby that's been born, the word that's used is not king anymore, it's Herod. I just find that interesting. You know, um, Dale Bruner in his commentary pointed it out. That, that there's a new king. That, that the real king is this baby. And Herod is no longer the king. It's important for us to realize that, that Jesus is the king. He's the one. And I think that's what Matthew is trying to point out throughout his whole gospel. 
Jesus is the king. And, and then the second thing I realized as I was reading through this uh, chapter of Matthew is that, um, that Matthew uh, is able to look at what's happening and then look back to the Old Testament and see that God had prophesied about this before or a prophet had spoken this, right? So the Magi come in and ask, where will the Savior be born? And the answer is Bethlehem. And they quote from the prophet Micah. And then the family is taken off to, has to go to Egypt. And again, uh, Matthew quotes from the prophet Hosea that out of Egypt I've called my son. Even Herod killing all the young boys in um, Bethlehem, which is just terrible. There's a quote from Jeremiah that speaks of the heartache and the mourning of the people that God, that God knew and understands the heartache that's there. And even the fact that Jesus would live in Nazareth, he says that the prophets had talked about that he would be called a Nazarene. You see, Matthew is able to look back as he writes this, and in the midst of, I'm sure, Joseph not understanding what's happening, Matthew goes, God's hand is at work. His plan is unfolding. God has not forgotten about Joseph. He understands it's difficult. But God is making his plan come about. That God is even at work in the difficulties of life. I'm sure you understand that. I'm sure you, you've experienced some difficulties. We've all experienced some difficulties recently. I, I think all of us probably can look back in our life at different things whether it's we're in high school and we don't make a certain team we wanted to be on or we don't get into the school we had thought we really wanted to go to, or maybe um, in our 20s, uh, relationships. That seems to be where relationships don't work out that we really thought we wanted to work out or we thought this is what God wanted for us and it doesn't happen and we're confused and we don't understand. Maybe as we're older and possibly married, we uh, uh, want to buy a house and put the put an offering on the perfect house for us, and then we don't get it. Sometimes there's struggles with our kids or we're unable to have kids, and there's lots of things we don't understand, and, and then health stuff happens. So all of us throughout life, no matter what stage in life you're at, there are things that we just don't understand. Even things that we feel like we're following you, Lord, sort of like Joseph following him out of Egypt into Bethlehem. No, don't go there, but go to Nazareth. That there's confusing things that we just don't understand. And, and quite honestly, I think a lot of us in our church can feel that way these days. You know, we, we had never imagined that we'd go through a pandemic like we have for the last couple of years. We had never imagined that we as a church would be starting to look at possibly merging with another church to create some synergy and some energy and to get renewed vision and mission back. And we never thought that we'd be at this place. Never imagined that God might have led us to a place like this. And it can be confusing and discouraging at times. But just like Matthew was able to look back at the birth of Jesus and all that Joseph had gone through and say, no, 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 God knows what he's doing. God's hand is even 
involved in what is happening here. His plan is unfolding. It's different than what you thought your plan would be. But God's plan is unfolding. And, and that's, that's a great truth that we can hold on to. And so what I'm hope, what, what I'd like to leave with you here at the last Sunday of 2021 is hope. That's what we need to have. We, we, we need to have hope. A couple quotes about hope, that hope is the joyous anticipation of good that is not yet here or is still unseen. And hope is the trust that God will fulfill his promises to us in a way that leads us to true freedom. That, that God is at work, that his plan is unfolding. Um, a couple evenings ago, Nancy, she has a, a devotional from Henry Nouwen that she's reading through Advent, and she goes, oh, this one's really good. Listen to this. This is good for us. And it was on hope. And so I just want to... Read it and, and end with this. This is what Henry Nouwen writes. I have found it very important to try to let go of my wishes and instead to live in hope. And I just want to stop there for a moment. Isn't that a great line? Very important to try and let go of my wishes and instead to live in hope. When I choose to let go of my sometimes petty and superficial wishes and trust that my life is precious and meaningful in the eyes of God, something really new, something beyond my own expectations begins to happen to me. To wait with openness and trust is an enormously radical attitude toward life. It is choosing to hope that something is happening for us that is far beyond our own imagining. It is giving up control over the future and letting God define our life. It is living with the conviction that God molds us in love, upholds us in tenderness, and moves us away from the sources of our fear. Hope. So Joseph didn't, I'm sure, understand what was happening to him. Experienced great stress and, and discouragement probably at times. And yet he was obedient to what God called him to do. And in that obedience, he's able to see God's plan unfolding. He's ex he was able to experience God's protection and God's leading. And sometimes it's not until we are able to look back are we able to really see what God was doing in that time, in that situation, and that his plan is at work. So as you think about this next year that's ahead of you, my prayer for us is that we would be people of hope that God's at work, that he's doing something different, 
and that we, we can be a part of that. That we can be a part of what God wants to do in this area and even around the world. For he is working. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I'm thankful that the, the Christmas story, the Advent season, is so rich and so full. And I pray that you would help us to be, uh, to be like Joseph, to be able to respond in, in obedience to uh, what you call us to and what you show us. Help us to continue to trust you when it's difficult. Give us the strength we need when the work is hard. But most of all, Lord, give us hope that you are at work. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, we've asked a, a few folks from our church to, um, to share where they've seen the goodness of God in, in this season, things that they're thankful for, and, and we just want you to hear them right now. Hi, Baseline. Linda Matthews here. Uh, we joined the church about six months before the pandemic hit. We're so grateful for the friendship and love and support we have found here. Merry Christmas to you. When I reflect on the goodness of God uh, this Christmas, I think of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, which says, uh, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. And uh, I'm particularly thankful for the Tuesday morning men's Bible study um, with Don Dirks and Walt Haynes, Rick Genovese. Uh, those guys have been so thankful or so uh, faithful. Uh, for the past uh, several years, especially through the pandemic, uh, getting up every Tuesday morning at 6.30 a.m. And, and Zooming and digging into the Word of God and sharing in each other's lives. So just so thankful for all of them and, and the opportunity to, uh, to have fellowship and discipleship with them. I'm grateful for the peace that I can have in the most chaotic of times. I'm thankful for the friends and family in this very isolating time. I'm thankful for the joy I've been able to experience since last year. I'm thankful for the health and safety of my family. Merry Christmas to our baseline family. Hi, we're the Daddy family. So we've been thinking about how we've been experiencing God uh, during this season. And I think what came to mind for me was just trying to have a God-like perspective on things. You know, there's been so many, so many things to be upset about and angry about and uh, just worried about and sad about. Um, and a, a lot of them, I mean, there are some things that are legitimate, but a lot of them are, are just little things that, you know, in the end don't matter to the, to the grand story that God has created here. And, and uh, Jesus is what we're celebrating. He is the one that gives us that victory over all those small things and all those worries. So. I've been trying to have that as my, my uh, perspective and, and how I've been experiencing God during this season. And as you can see by watching it, the kids really do keep us grounded in what matters. And that is what I'm grateful for, that amidst all the chaos of the world, we have 
our children that show us how we need to love and forgive and have patience and have fun and joy when the world outside our door might not look that way. And that's where I've seen that this holiday season. We, we asked the, the boys and uh, a lot of their answers surrounded uh, candy and, and, and uh, time off and stuff. So we thought um, maybe when they're a little bit older, we'd ask them that question. But thank you and we, all, we hope that you all have a wonderful Christmas. Say bye. 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 Thank you for joining us. For more information about Baseline Community Church, please go to BaselineCC.com.